1: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey, money nerds, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're getting the weekend party started here in the basement. And to kick things off, we thought it'd be fun to talk to money nerds from around the country. On today's call from Joe's Dad Shortwave, we welcome from Sound Retirement Radio, Jason Parker. Also, from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And from lenpenzo.com, Tour de France star Chris Froome. <laughs> He's sprinting for first, so we've got Len Penzo instead. And of course, the man who's all about Tour de Trip to the Refrigerator, Joe Saul Cihai.
0: I'd have the yellow jersey in that one. Hey, everybody, I am Joe Salcijai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and what a great day. Not only is it Friday, but I'm moving my daughter to Kansas City this weekend. Uh, She's getting ready to start her new career. How exciting is that? Kids out of college and uh, beginning to make her way in the world. So excited there. But I'm even more excited because we've got a fantastic show for you today. And you know what? We also are very happy to send you to this place, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go to magnify money, you know what you find? You find that that checking account you've got, that savings account, and those credit cards are all horrible. They could be way, way, way better. And you know what? You spend so much time comparison shopping everything. Why wouldn't you comparison shop the things that you look at every stinking day, like your savings account your checking account you know the things you use to buy those things that your comparison shopping you should look at those also almost like you know you change the smoke alarm batteries a couple times a year use that to magnify money because you'll find that things change and later in the show we'll take a look like we do on fridays at interest rates and see if maybe those savings accounts keep coming up they had last week so we will see all right fantastic show today we are all set, raring to go. So let's uh, get into this. All right, let's walk across the basement here and crank up my dead shortwave for another week of fun. And, man, do we get a great guest this week. But we're going to tell you about him later. We're going to start off in the desert where Miss Paula Pant from Afford Anything, I think, is back. Paula, you there?
2: As I said, Joe, you... I've got to hit rock bottom at some point, and unfortunately for me, I am here. <laughs> that is so bad. You're, where did your? Ouch! Where did your? I, I guess I that came out turn? swinging, didn't I? That was not very nice. <laughs> what I really meant to say, Joe, was that uh, there is no greater honor in my life than to be part of this round table.
0: That's exactly how I interpreted that the first time, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I well, if you hit rock bottom, I mean, hey, come on. And in Los Angeles, California, the guy peeking his head out of the bunker again for another week, I think, Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com. Joe, how are you, my friend? I am better now that you're here, buddy. What's
3: going on? Well, just uh, hanging out in the bunker. It's getting a little warm and uh, trying to turn on all the fans and keep as cool as possible. Just glad summer's here and uh,
0: enjoying life. Turn on all the fans. of those the people that read the blog? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> So,
3: yeah. Hey, whatever works. Yes. I, I'll turn them on too. And guess
0: what, Liam? We got a special guest this week. I know. The, this is just really cool. Mr. Sound Retirement Planning himself from Seattle, Washington. He also, by the way, is the author of Sound Retirement Planning, and he's got a cool new budget calculator out, the Retirement Budget Calculator. We'll talk to him about that. But Jason Parker's joining us. Jason.
4: Hey, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me as a guest. It's about time you got here. What
0: took you so long?
4: Man, I don't know, but I have to tell you, hearing about Sunshine Len, down in California makes me a little envious. We haven't seen the sun in about seven months. Um, we're approaching July, so hopefully, it'll be here soon.
3: Yeah, but you know what? When the you know, I, I go up there on business a lot, and when the sun is shining up there, it's gorgeous.
4: Most beautiful place on Earth, three days out of the year. Yes. Awesome. Yeah,
0: he, he beat me to it. I was gonna say those are the best <laughs> three days ever. Oh, Jason's already on the same page. That's sad for you, man. All right, let's uh, kick this thing off with our first piece, which is at chrisreining.com. It's an interview with a guy, uh, Morgan Housel. And it's Morgan Housel on what you need to know to be a successful investor. There's a series of questions that they ask here, and I want to go through some of these questions. The first question they ask Morgan is a former columnist at the Wall Street Journal and The Motley Fool, and he's now a partner at the Collaborative Fund. And Chris says he's been following his writing and his Twitter account for years and asked him to sit down. And I found this interview fascinating. So first he asked him, Morgan, when someone is just discovering personal finance, what should they focus their limited time and energy on? I was surprised by this, Paula Pant, because I thought that Morgan was going to say you should focus it on PE ratios, you should focus it on asset allocation or diversification, or, or you know, your goal setting. He didn't talk about any of that.
2: That's true. He talked about the importance of knowing yourself. He uh, emphasized that the most important aspect of personal finance is behavioral. It's uh, it's behavioral psychology, and so the more that you can know what your actual, know your actual self, not who you think you are, but who you actually are. So for example, you may like to think that you're the type of person who would not panic during a downturn, but is that accurate or not? Because having that piece of information, being real with yourself about yourself is uh, in Morgan's view, as well as my own, the greatest determinant of financial success. Oh, so you're on board with that. I am totally on board with that. Absolutely. Jason,
0: you're a guy in the trenches working with clients, I think. Do you buy this, that that behavior is the number one thing?
4: I do. And, you know, I initially, we talked about the budgeting calculator. And so my initial thought when when I read this was, you know, figure out your spending before you start figuring out investing. But I was reading T. Harv Ecker's book again recently, The Millionaire Mind. And he says, your roots determine your fruits. And so I was just thinking about, you know, we all have these life experiences growing up where we come in contact with money and sometimes those are good experiences and sometimes bad. But one of the things I liked about this article is he says, spend your money on things that bring you joy and figure out what it is that really brings you joy in your life. And so I I appreciated that.
0: Len Penzo, what brings you joy?
4: Money. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Lots and lots of money. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the simple things. You know what? And he hit on it upon it. I don't know if it was in this little area that you're talking about now or down later in the interview, but time as and and as I get older, free time brings me more and more joy with each passing day. And I don't know if that's just because I've been working for so long or not, but uh, time, you really can't put a price on it. Free
0: time. Do, do you like this idea that he talks about? The second question in the article is that he says, with investing, uh, many people want to start but they're deathly afraid. What's your advice to them? And Len, he says his advice to them isn't isn't to make it more complicated; it's to simplify anything, everything. Do you buy that?
3: Yeah, I think I guess if you're when you're starting out, yes. But I think when people are deathly afraid of, they're deathly afraid if They're like me when I was in my twenties. What was I deathly afraid of? I was deathly afraid of losing money and. You cannot be afraid to lose money. And I know that's easy to say, but if you're going to be afraid every time the market goes down 1% or 3% or you lose a little bit on investment, you are, you're going to get slaughtered. You've got to, you've got to trust your investments. You've got to trust your research and index funds and the whole concept of investing over the long term, or you're just going to go crazy. So don't be afraid to lose money. It's going to happen. And you just it's just part of the game. But in the long run, you're going to you're going to win out.
4: Well, what's funny, I I don't even think of it as I was just going to say, I don't think of it as losing money. It's just an opportunity to buy more. Right. I mean, we all we're all hoping for dips at this point with a market as high as it is. I like Jack Bogle's advice. He says, when the market's going down, stop opening your statements. (laughs)
3: <laughs> right. Well, that's yeah. yeah and, and I've said that before, Jason. But, you know, when you're first starting out, at least this is for me. I mean, I literally I didn't look at it that I just looked at it as like, oh, my God, I might lose money. Oh, my God, my stock just went down three percent. I've lost. Oh, let me add up, you know, fifty
0: five dollars today. You know, it's just you can't do that. You can't. But back to simplification, Paula, this guy, this character that he's talking to, that he's interviewing, he clearly knows investing, knows what he's doing, and yet he says that he's down to only owning the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index and Berkshire Hathaway stock and nothing else. You think that's a good approach?
2: I admire that. I have no objection to that. I I assume that his portfolio is predominantly weighted towards the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. And Berkshire Hathaway, which is an individual stock, would be a small fraction of it. So, under that assumption, I am totally in favor of his approach. Uh, and I myself have about like predominantly three index funds in my portfolio. Mostly. There's a little bit of like smattering of this and that here and there. But I mean, I think that the more you can, as he says, you know, the more knobs you have to fiddle with, the more opportunities you have to make regrettable decisions. So limit the number of knobs that you can fiddle with. That's going to be the
0: tagline for this show.
2: (laughs) Stop fiddling. (laughs) Stop fiddling with the
3: damn knobs. Hey, do you think he, do you think he's invested in the Berkshire class A or the class B?
2: Uh, the, the one that's more available to the public, which is class B, isn't it? Yeah. The B. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah cause, it, cause I think he's a invested going, just so he can.
2: Like the so ticker symbol BRKB.
0: Right. Right. Well, I know a lot of people that do that, Jason. They just own one chair so they can, they can go
4: listen to him. Yeah. They can hear Warren Buffett uh, with his famous one-liners. But can t- you listen to him if you own the B? Yes. <laughs> yes. With, with one ear.
3: Okay. Right. That's does right. <laughs> You got because I don't know if your listeners are no Joe, but that Class A
0: stock is over a quarter million dollars a share. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a slightly expensive stock. Jason, I got to think as a financial advisor. When I was a financial planner, I would work with people on you know these asset allocation things to get them on what we call the efficient frontier, right? The most efficient portfolio historically. The whole Doctor Harry Markowitz stuff. It seems to me that when I read this, I read, man, he could probably do a lot better than that.
4: Well, the concern that I have, uh, our experience, my experience is working with a lot of people that are heading into retirement. And I think the advice that he's giving here is really dangerous for people that are in that phase of life. So if you're 20, 30, 40 years old, and you've got a long time horizon, Buy one index fund and own a little Warren Buffett and have have a good time. But if you're right on the cusp of retirement and you've got everything in in uh, stock mutual fund right uh, right as you're getting ready to transition, boy, I would be nervous with that advice. So I guess it depends on who your listeners are.
0: Yeah, Len, uh, you mean both of them? Is that what you're talking about?
4: <laughs> <laughs> does your mom still listen to the show? I mean,
0: <laughs> she says she does, but I think she's a liar. She's such a liar, Len. I like. I'm going to skip down this piece a little bit so we can move on, but. I love uh, one thing he said, which is he hopes his son will, will be poor someday and yeah. I could hear you nodding from halfway across the country.
3: Yeah yeah I, I try to do that with my kids too I, I, I don't want my kids to want for anything however, that being said, I want them to work for everything too so it's good to not be handed everything otherwise your your desire your your, your desire to get things and earn things kind of atrophy. So you've always got to be nimble and you've got to know what it's like to be
0: poor. Yeah. I think we're going to leave it there. That's a great place to leave it. I'll link to that on our show notes, at StackyBenjamins.com. Our second piece is from Kiplinger, seven critical money mistakes people make in their forties. Use your forties. It says to prepare for retirement and correct money mistakes you might be making. This is by our friend Elena Tweedale. We should have Elena on the show. Apollo, do you know Elena?
2: I do know her. She's great. We should totally. How come we
0: haven't had her on the show yet? What are we thinking? I I, I don't know. She'd be an excellent guest. I know. She'd be fantastic. I personally like this piece. We're going to find out what you guys think about it. So, the first thing she talks about, the mistake people in their 40s make, is an expensive home remodel. You think that's a mistake, Paula?
2: Absolutely. A lot of people mistakenly believe that your primary residence is an investment. It is not. And so, therefore, a lot of people mistakenly believe that if you put, if you just dump money into remodeling a home, then that money is an investment and will grow in value over time. That is not a sound approach. You can certainly force appreciation in a property, but it needs to be done strategically. It is not the case that just the more you spend, the bigger your profits. Uh, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people become so emotional about their home, their primary residence that they forget to uh, they forget to treat it with the dispassion of any other investment.
0: The dispassion. Where'd you pull that one from? Dispassion.
2: I I know, right? Yeah, I'm doing well. uh, (laughs) That was my peak for the week. Everything is downhill from here.
0: You got to stop that talk (laughs) on this show, sister. That's horrible. It's going to make us all look bad. But Jason, what if somebody's doing it because they want their house just to be nicer? I mean, what's wrong with having a nice house?
4: Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house. I remember Milton Friedman said the only way to really combat inflation is to live a good life because your dollars are going to be worth less, especially as the, as the fed continues to print money. But I just hope my wife's listening to this show and that great advice that Paula gave, you know, I, there's this thing going on right now in our, in our world called, I call it the HGTV effect where um, people are just fanatical about their homes and in the Seattle area, especially, man, we are seeing real estate prices going bonkers again. It makes me a little bit nervous in the long run.
0: Yeah. Len, you got to be nervous too. Not me. No, <laughs> never. California never goes down. <laughs> yeah. And Len doesn't get nervous about anything.
3: I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> shoot, man. I'm an optimist. <laughs> right. <laughs> bullish. I'm bullish on everything.
0: But expensive remodels, Len. He, he does talk uh, about, you know, people make a mistake in their 40s. They raid money from their 401k for this stuff. and And I totally buy that. That that's a bad yeah, idea.
3: I would never do that. I mean, I, I think if you're doing a $50,000 remodel just because you think the price of your house is going to go up, I mean, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I'll just personal experience. I've spent $25,000 a few years remodeling my master bathroom. I've spent $15,000 last year upgrading just the curb appeal of my home, but that's, it was disposable income that I had. And, and it's and like Jason said, I did it because, you know, it was, it's something that made me happy and it didn't affect my investments for my retirement. So it, it kind of all depends on what you want to spend it on. Right. This year, our big uh, house remodel is we're tearing up our bottom floor. We're digging all of our uh, tile and putting in a travertine. That's going to be another 15 grand, probably. So, uh, you know, but hey, that's you know, that's what we want to do. And like I said, it doesn't affect our investments. I, Len,
2: Len, how will pulling up the floor affect the bunker that you have underneath the house?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. The bunker is, is. I'm not putting travertine over the entrance to the bunker.
2: Okay, good. Oh, yes.
0: Oh, thank you. you. You know what? Though I think that the key to what you said there is that you did all those things without you without it affecting your retirement, right? I mean- you, you, It was disposable if, income. Yeah. If your retirement was going to be in jeopardy, you probably wouldn't have made those changes. Absolutely not. Exactly.
4: Exactly. Isn't there a show on uh, discovery about bunker houses or something? Yeah, there is that? actually. Yes. Yeah. Is that where you live, Len?
3: I'm not telling you where I live, Jason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he will tell you he has every episode DVR. <laughs> <laughs> every stinking one. Len, let's stick with you for a second. Prioritizing kids college over retirement savings. I know you, you preach that too, oh that that's God, a mistake. Yeah. Uh, that's a pet peeve of mine. People that have, that,
3: Oh, i have put putting away money for my kids' college
0: education. And meanwhile,
3: they're putting nothing into their retirement. Because let me tell you, folks, your retirement should not be going to your kids. It should be going to you first. So save for yourself, retire, save for your own retirement first. And then if you have anything left over, put it towards the kids. The kids can get a loan if they need it.
0: Let's go to you for number three,
3: Jason. They
4: are gonna. They are gonna need it with the way that prices for school are going up. I mean, it. You know, we we've got the legislators, especially they've been coming after financial advisors and fees, and uh, I think that's probably a good thing in the long run for investors. But I got to tell you, I think our regulators should point their uh, fingers at these public universities. I mean, they are just killing these kids that are coming out of school with a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars of student loans to get an education in something that's going to pay him 15 bucks an hour. I think it's really criminal. It's too bad.
0: Is some of that too, Jason, do you think though some of that too is also on the student, you know, not doing the ROI on college before they make the jump?
4: Oh, absolutely. I'm not trying to take the responsibility away from the people, but we have this, uh, that we've almost brainwashed students. Hey, you've got to go to college. So, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with going into the trades and um, being mentored by somebody and, and having a good career and then paying for your way to go through college and not accepting those student loans. But that's really not what's taught. It's uh, it's kind of common practice that you just are going to go into debt if you're going to go to college. And I think it's wrong.
0: Paula, Jason right there sounded like a kinder, gentler Greg McFarland, didn't he?
2: He did. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I totally agree with that statement. I mean, it the world needs electricians and plumbers and but the world needs people who have specialty skills and you can make a very good living working within those trades, particularly if you have your own business, if you start your own plumbing company or your own uh, residential solar panel installation company. I mean, you can you can make a solid six figure income, which is Uh, quite a bit better than, you know, what a lot of sociology majors are making.
4: I will never do my own electrical work again. Several years ago, we were living in a house that had a septic and I was out exploring, trying to figure out why the septic pump wouldn't work. And I I grabbed down for the wires and little did I know that they were hot. And I got to tell you, that gave me a shock that I remembered. I, I actually ended up on the front porch of my house with the ambulance there because oh. I blacked out by the time I got to the front porch. So hey, I, I'm willing to pay those electricians whatever they need because I'm not touching those wires anymore.
0: Yeah, when I uh, tell people I'm a bad
4: electrician, they're shocked. Uh, <laughs> so you're pretty good at this whole radio thing. No more, of, of, these, one-liners. No
3: really more of these one liners. No more of these revolting jokes.
4: <laughs> I'm here all week,
0: folks. Tip your weight, staff. It's so bad. Yeah, he's all
3: amped up now.
0: Yeah, right.
3: All amped up. <laughs> hey, hey, remember, I'm an electrical engineer, so I've got a, a bajillion of them.
0: Man, let's change the subject really quick then. Absolutely get away from that. Just what we need is a bunch of electrical engineering jokes out of Lempenzo's mouth.
3: Yeah, there goes there goes your other listener joke. <laughs> right.
0: Unless, hopefully, they're an electrical engineer, too. That's our last five-star rating ever. Len Penzo's is amazing <laughs> electrical engineer guy. <laughs> hey, got to take a quick break from this awesome discussion with uh, special guest Jason, Len, and Paula to say a big thanks to everybody who's used our link, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Amazon. When they head to Amazon, you put in that link and you know what happens? You end up at amazon.com, but... They know that we sent you and they send us a little thank you for sending you there. So thanks to everybody who's done that. If for some reason you find that uh, you're headed to Amazon and if you can help the show just a little bit, it's only a couple more keystrokes, that would be phenomenal. All right. It's Friday FinTech time. Really excited about this. For those of you new to the show, every Friday in the middle of the show, we take a quick break and we introduce you to something cool that I found that I don't know a lot about. We don't endorse any of these different companies or different ideas, but they're just things that I found that I thought were, were unique enough that, uh, that we should highlight them on the show. And Jobatical, how wild is this? You know, I'm somebody that the more I travel, the more I want to travel more. Like when I was a kid, I was afraid to travel outside the United States. And then I remember going to Canada, and they used that fake money, and they also had everything was in kilometers. It was like I was in fantasy Fantasyland, uh, but it was fantastic, just going from Detroit to, to Toronto. And then, you know, a trip to Cancun, and next thing you know, Joe's a world traveler, but seriously, If you're somebody that wants to see the world, Jabatical might be the thing for you. So let's learn more about it with uh, Lauren Proctor. And marketing director at Jabatical, Lauren Proctor joins us. Welcome to the basement, Lauren. Have a seat.
5: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited to learn about Jabatical because, well, and actually even to start with, how was this even an idea? Did somebody say, you know what, I really need a working vacation to Europe, so let's create this thing?
5: Boy, you know, actually the story is a little different. Our founder, Carolee Hendricks, was growing up in, Tal- or in Estonia, which at the time was under Soviet rule. They were very oppressed, you know, Seeing commercials piped in illegally from Finland of grocery stores that were full and wondering if that ever existed, because when they would go to the store, there would be nothing on the shelves. So Carolee had a pretty hard upbringing, but she got to study high school in Maine. When she got there, she just felt this incredible connection with the people there. And she realized that the world needs more cross-cultural connection So she has this idea kind of in the back of her mind for a while. She came back, she was working in Estonia. She needed some good talent for her team and didn't have anyone and thought, oh, I need to start this thing called jabbatical. It's a job plus a sabbatical where people travel the world and there's this cross cultural exchange, businesses benefit and people benefit. So that was kind of the beginning.
0: I love that idea. And I, too, think that we need more cross-cultural connection, as she put it, because I just feel like the more I travel, the less I feel, um, well, let's put it this way, the more I feel like we're all kind of the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So, Jobatical was created. Tell me how it works. Why would somebody go there, and what what do you do?
5: So, we're a two-sided marketplace where we connect people who have dream jobs in locations around the world uh, with employers who either they want to hire a more diverse team or they're suffering from a talent shortage in their country. We put them together, let them do their interviews and send them off to their dream cities.
0: Awesome. And how are these
5: permanent positions or are they, you know, two month, three month stops? So it's really up to the employer and the talent to decide and have a really honest conversation of, you know, I want to move to Bali for the rest of my life or, hey, I'll go there for two to three months. I'll make a huge impact on your team and then I'm out of here. I want to go somewhere else. So it really varies. I think mostly it's permanent positions, but we do remote, short term, you know, anything that makes both sides happy.
0: I'm looking right now at Jabetical, and I see Dublin, Ireland, uh, Prague, Singapore, uh, Estonia, uh, the Netherlands.
5: Uh, you're truly all over the place. Absolutely, yeah. I think we're at 76 paying countries of employers who pay for Jabeticalers to come to them. I, I like that term, what's, what,
0: <laughs> what's the, uh Tell me some some success stories of people that have used your site very well.
5: Gosh, we have all kinds of stories. We have an innkeeper, actually, who had a private island, and he wanted to hire someone to come for a year to the Caribbean and manage the island. So that was a really popular jabbatical. lots of applications from people who wanted to live in the Caribbean for a year. We've had people from Brazil going to a company called Wallet Saver, and we had a developer who rose in the ranks until he became the CTO. And then here at the Jubatical headquarters in Tallinn, we actually have 28 people from 13 different countries.
0: Wow. So that's a completely multicultural place, which of course, I guess, if that's your calling card, it's got to be multicultural at the headquarters.
5: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So if, if, if I go to Jubatical then and I want to apply for one of these positions, do I have to pay anything to apply? How does that process
5: work? It's completely free for the talent. We have about 90,000 users right now. You can sign up. You can get personalized messages of job alerts in your specialty and in your country of interest. And we'll just pipe them out when we think that there's something that would be interesting. You can apply. Then the employer usually takes care of your visa and relocation costs. And the next thing you know, you're in another country working a good job.
0: Are there some things that people overlook when they're applying at Geovatical? Some things that that maybe successful people do really well that are easy snags for people to fix?
5: You know, I didn't realize how hard it would be to get rid of my stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really an emotional process. I ended up paying a bunch of money for a storage facility because I was just totally and completely flustered So I think that to get over the emotional hurdle, like maybe read Marie Kondo first and then save some money on storage later. That's probably a a
0: big one. That's fantastic. Now these say, I'm looking at them now, it says two months to apply, one month to apply. What does that mean? Two months from today I have that this is going to be open?
5: Yeah. So a lot of positions normally take about three months to fill. And that's kind of an HR hiring manager standard. So what we do is by default, we put most of our job roles up for two months and then we start the counter. And if the employer finds a great match ahead of time, they might close the job ahead of time. Uh, but typically jobs are up there for about 60 days.
0: Got it. And if I'm an employer who's listening to this, Lauren, is there something uh, different for them that I need to know?
5: Boy, I think it's all about just being open-minded. And so far, there's been a bit of a block between recruiters who want to hire safe and think just about the people that maybe live in their neighborhood. But in actuality, we're trying to make people think, you know, you shouldn't hire safe, you should hire to win. You should be looking for the best UX designer or creative director in the world, not just down the street. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Borderless. Absolutely. Right. Cool. And the site is uh That's, that's a fantastic walkthrough. And the way you guys make money then is you charge the employer.
5: We do. Yeah. And then we also help with immigration to 12 countries and counting.
0: Awesome. Lauren Proctor, thanks for hanging out with us and explaining geographical to us. It's really cool. Just one more thing. If there's another job where we can send my mom's neighbor, Doug, in the Caribbean, that would be fantastic if you could put me on that list to help him get that job.
5: Absolutely. You'll be the first person I call. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: Isn't that cool? Work your way around the world, huh? Take a sabbatical, work for companies wherever, have them pick up the moving cost, jobatical.com. I'll have a link there. In the show notes, if you're out on your morning run, walking the dog, maybe you're driving to work or driving home. All right, let's get back to our awesome conversation with Jason Parker, Paula Pant, and Len Penzo. Number three on this list, Paul. I want to ask you this question: Skipping the estate plan, and for somebody who's single, do you agree with that? Skipping the estate plan. Do you worry about your estate plan?
2: You know, I I think that, well, I will uh, first give the disclaimer that I ought to have an estate plan and yet I don't, but I agree. Oh, I know, I know, I know, oh, I know, I suck, confessional. You know, big mistake, I know, but I completely agree that I should have one and having one is the responsible thing to do. So it is a mistake on my part to not have one. And that's something that I ought to be rectifying. Ooh, there's another big word.
0: When you have single clients, Jason, what what do you tell them is important about having
4: an estate plan? Don't worry about it if you're not worried about it. I, I you know, that's not what I tell them. I tell everybody, <laughs> I, I tell everybody that you know this is an important thing. They've people have worked hard for what they've earned, and the last thing that they want to do is, is to have the state step in and determine how their assets are going to be distributed at their death. I think that if they uh, care about the people or maybe they don't even have any family, I know some folks that um, they're going to be leaving all of their money to the local pet shelters, but that's important yeah. to them. And so, you know, people trade their time for money and I'd hate to think that it's going to get squandered away because they didn't, you know, spend a little bit of time and a little bit of money to have those documents done. Right.
0: Elena writes in this piece that says for a straightforward will, there's inexpensive online DIY options available like quick and will and legal zoom. I know a lot of professionals are kind of split about using these do-it-yourself will kits. What do you think, Jason?
4: Uh, I think it's an important document. And I think that sometimes those, when I've talked to the attorneys, they say they're not always state specific. And so you could end up causing your family and your state more issues and problems by going down that path. But I'm certainly in favor of people getting a good deal. I think uh, you want to definitely shop around and ask attorneys how much they charge for those documents before you just, sit down and start writing checks.
0: You know what, Paula, Len Penzo's estate plan is like just this treasure map with an X and a few trees by it and you go to like you go to like the second hill and you dig, you know, four steps over from the thing and there's a treasure chest. Isn't that right, Len? Joe, I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it'll be great. Len also has this uh Betamax uh <laughs> cassette and, and Len, you and I might be the only people that know what that is. You're but, probably right. But 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 he's got this Betamax cassette that he has people put into a player that he has and there's Len in a smoking jacket that says something like, So if you're watching this, I've passed away and uh this is my will. Right, Len?
3: No, but you know what? That is a great idea. <laughs> You're, I think I'm going to do
1: that. You're totally I really do. Yeah, along
4: the same lines, I always thought it would be cool to have a talking headstone so that uh, after you were gone, you know, <laughs> people could. Anybody you want to start a Kickstarter campaign? That sounds like a great idea.
0: These are so morbid. Number f- <laughs> Number five, Jason, sticking with you, being underinsured. This is a big one.
4: You know, it is, but I have to tell you, I recently went through the exercise of going through and adding up all of the insurance that we pay for every month as a family. And obviously we want to make sure for what I do personally is I, I carry 10 times my annual salary for life insurance. That seems like it's plenty. It's enough to put the kids through college and also pay off the house. But... Man, it's it is really depressing when you sit down and add up how much money the insurance companies get every month uh, out of our out of our pay. It makes me, makes me a little irritated.
2: Yeah, Paula. You know, I agree. A lot of people are underinsured, and the the thing about insurance is that uh, it is meant to cover events that have a magnitude that you cannot recover from. For example, long-term disability that keeps you out of the workforce for five years, that's something that even the most diligent savers probably can't cover on their own. Um, And so, you know, it makes sense to have insurance that would cover something like that. Whereas, say, short-term disability or a very, very small deductible on a health insurance premium, I mean, stuff that you can self-insure for, stuff that you can pay for out of pocket, even if it's painful, that you could pay for out of pocket— that's you know where you can save money on premiums.
0: Yeah, so think about the risk management first and not the insurance first.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, 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 good stuff. Our third piece, it comes to us from Market Watch. Paddington Bear tried his paw in the stock market and it didn't go well. This is written by Steve Goldstein. Paddington Bear creator Michael Bond passed away recently. And in one episode of Paddington. It's called Paddington Buys a Share. It says the hat-clad Peruvian native is convinced to buy stock in a shady company called the Portobello Road Oil Company outside a bank whose name, Floyd, suspiciously rhymes with another large bank in Britain. As the episode reveals, Paddington didn't conduct his due diligence on the company, nor did he check the authenticity or background of his, his broker. I'm sure we've all done this to some degree. And I thought that it'd be fun if we all kind of talked about investment that we made where we didn't, we, we kind of pulled a Paddington and we didn't, uh, we didn't do our due diligence. Len, do you mind kicking this off?
3: I knew you were coming to me first with <laughs> this one, Joe.
0: I knew it. If I knew anybody's it. made a dumb investment, it's Len Penzo.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I've actually, I've actually written about my dumbest money mistakes and anybody who's interested, they just go to LenPenzo.com. Dumb money mistakes. But I did speak about this one I'm going to tell you about in particular. When I was in my 20s, I think a lot of you, my your listeners, Joe, know now that I was in a, a rock band and and uh, we put out a CD and all that good stuff. And I overplayed my hand with a song that a Hollywood uh, agent wanted, one of our songs. And and I refused to give it to him for the price he was asking. So anyways, long story short, he told me to hit the road and that was the end of our career. But during that time, there was an investment opportunity for me where I, this guy was building a home studio, a home recording studio. This is before the age of the internet, people. This is before the time when you, anybody could now make their own podcasts at home and all this stuff. So, recording studios were very important. Anyways, I didn't do any research on this guy. It sounded like a great idea. He promised me free recording time, and that was enough for me. I gave the guy a thousand bucks. I even helped him build his studio. Well, as soon as the studio was done being built, he pretty much shut me out and left me hanging and I was done. And there was, I was out of a thousand bucks, which was a lot of money back then, way back when,
0: Well, it's, never it's, forget that. It's still a lot of money. So he just wanted free labor. He
3: wanted free, well, the thousand dollars was on top of the, my, the labor I gave him. Yeah. So he got a thousand dollars cash plus my labor, which was probably a hundred hours, at least 200 hours.
0: So what's the, uh, uh, what's the lesson learned from that? Don't help the guy build a studio. (laughs) Hey, listeners, at least do a little background check on somebody. Don't just, don't
3: just say, Hey, this sounds great. I'm going to do it. You you know, you got to do some research on anything before you give money to anybody. I mean, I don't care if the guy befriends you or what, or whatever happens. You've got to do your due diligence. Paula, what's yours?
2: I would say that uh, my biggest mistake was treating the stock market as though it was a high-yield savings account. Basically, between the years of 2005 to 2008-ish or so, I was saving for a short-term goal, which was travel. And some of the money, not all of it, fortunately, but some of that I, I just threw into mutual funds because, uh, A, because I didn't know what index funds were at the time, and B, because in my mind, I thought, well, you know if I put it in mutual funds, it will go up and then I'll be able to withdraw it when I want to. So I had the mentality of, um, yeah, the market is nothing more than just a, a high yield savings account. And it turns out that that's not the case. Oh, and, and then 2008 happened, the market crashed and I learned the hard way that, risk is real and volatility is real. But I also learned to circle this back to uh, Morgan Housel's advice uh, in that first article that we discussed, I also learned through the test of the 2008 crash, what type of investor I am. So that was actually very illuminating because I had money on the line. I watched it evaporate and I was able to see my response, which was enthusiasm for buying more.
4: Yeah. Jason, how about you? Two things. First of all, with the people that we serve, the the, the biggest mistakes I've seen with them are getting into these illiquid, non-traded REITs, uh, master limited partnerships. Not that they're all bad. Some of them are good. But I've seen people get really hurt in some of those things where they've lost a lot of money. And so I I would be cautious for those. But my biggest personal financial mistake was actually buying a house in 2006. Oh. I was, you know, being the financial genius that I was, I, uh, when we bought our house, we put zero money down because I wanted to hold on to all of our cash And then I was smart enough. I listened to all the realtor experts in my neck of the woods and they said, the real estate market has historically in this area gone up 4% per year. It's never going to have a big downturn. So not only did I take out a mortgage with no money down, but I also took out a neg am mortgage. So my loan was actually growing. I was paying less than the principal and interest on it. So by 2008, our house was a hundred thousand dollars underwater and, Um, I had always thought, well, that's a good place to be because I'll just walk away from the house if I ever wanted to. Well, you know, my personality is such; I'm never going to walk away from an obligation. That's just not who I am. So I had to claw my way out of that thing, and and it took a long time to pay back. Not, you know, it took 10 years for our house to get back to the value that it was that we paid for it in 2006. But it took a long time to come up with the extra hundred thousand dollars to be able to pay that thing off and refinance it. So that was my biggest, my biggest personal financial mistake was getting into one of those negatively amortizing loans and uh and I'll, I'll obviously never do that again.
0: Boy, I I love how your stories are all over the map. Those are some just some painful stories. But I mean Jason, you learned a ton there.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree with Paula. Your house is a liability. It's not an asset. And so um, I, if uh, Robert Kiyosaki teaches that, uh, your house goes on the liability side of your house, of your, your primary residence, at least liability side of your balance sheet, not the asset side. And that's how I see it. So if we're going to do uh, remodels or upgrades, I just see it as we're doing it to uh, experience more joy in our lives. We're not doing it because it's an investment. I don't, I really don't believe your house is an investment.
0: Well, guys, I think that's going to put a fork in this episode. Thanks a ton for playing. Let's talk about what's going on where you all live. Paula Pant, what's happening on that Afford Anything podcast?
2: The Afford Anything podcast, I'm interviewing Nick Loper from the Side Hustle podcast, Side Hustle Nation. Uh, So he is going to describe how a person who wants to start some type of a side hustle, some sort of, you know, supplemental income can do that. And I also have a number of episodes in which I answer questions that the listeners send in. On top of that, I have a very personal episode in which I talk about my the behind the scenes around my advertising policies and uh, the way that I monetize my online business. So, wow. um, so that is all available at the Afford Anything podcast. Paula pulling back the curtain. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that Loper guy, he's crazy.
2: He's cool. Yeah, he's got a lot of really good ideas.
0: Yeah, he does. I like Side Hustle Nation. Len Penzo, what's going on at LenPenzo.com? Hey, if you're like me, well, not like me anymore, (laughs) but if you
3: were like me and you were getting pummeled by junk mail, I've got two excellent hacks that will keep that junk mail
0: out of your mailbox from now on. Say it ain't so. It is so, Joe. That is fantastic. And and they're free hacks?
3: Free hacks!
0: Unbelievable. At LenPenzo.com. That and more. And we can hear about all Len's uh, dumb money mistakes, too. Which, sure. which, by the way, I've read that piece, and that's a fantastic piece. Thank you, Jeff. Mr. Parker, thanks for playing with us this week.
4: Oh, man, what an honor to be on the show. I've listened to your program when I'm out jogging in the morning, and uh, it was nice to uh, put a smile on my face here. Appreciate I feel, it. I feel
0: bad for you having to endure this. Really I, really, I do. But first of all, let's talk about your retirement calculator, because I know you you were on a couple friends of mine's uh, shows talking about that. Roger Whitney, the retirement answer man. And I think, were you on uh, Doug Goldstein's show?
4: That's right, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, Goldstein on Gelt. So tell us a little bit about the calculator.
4: It is awesome. So um, one of the things I've learned is that retirement's all about cash flow. It's your income that will determine your lifestyle in retirement. But uh, most people, they know how much money they save, but they don't, especially high-income people, they don't really spend a whole lot of time figuring out how much money they spend. So we created the Retirement Budget Calculator. We just launched it. It's a, a paid tool, a paid for calculator, um, to really help people dial in how much they're spending. It's got a neat inflation component in it so people can peek into the future to see how their budget's going to change over time. And uh, we just launched it. So I'm excited to get some feedback. For your listeners, we do have a special discount uh, where if they use the the coupon code Benjamin, they'll get 50% off the sale price until July 28th.
0: So Len, he thinks both our listeners might buy this. (laughs)
3: uh, I think they will too,
0: Joe. Yeah. Especially the engineer who liked your engineering joke. (laughs) Cause that guy's all about calculators and engineering. Jason,
3: next time you need some electrical work done, call
0: me. Okay. Yeah. So people put in, people just put in Benjamin.
4: What we'll do for your listeners is anybody that would like to try the calculator, we're going to make a coupon available for the next 30 days. And if they use the coupon code Benjamin, um, they'll get 50% off the sale price.
0: Awesome. Cool. I thought he was going to say, Paula, that they get 50% off the calculator where they only get half the calculator. <laughs>
2: right. Or they get, uh, they get 50% off. I'm trying to figure out a way to... to- <laughs> tie this joke back into lens, like electrical engine. I'm like, what kind of electrical joke can I make out of this? You'll get half a circuit half breaker the, panel.
0: Half the circuit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's so bad. You'll blow
2: half a fuse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jason's <laughs> like, how soon could I get that out of here? <laughs>
4: yes, right. This has been fun. All right. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll have a link to the retirement budget calculator in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. And also you got to tell us what's going on at the sound retirement planning podcast
4: oh, we have some amazing guests lined up and we just had a couple amazing uh, guests. Hirsch Sheffrin, PhD. You guys were talking about uh, behavioral finance. We recently had him as a guest. We recently had Wade Fow, uh, PhD in the retirement. Uh, he's the retirement researcher, had him as a guest. Um, so we're just bringing experts on from all over the country to really help make people's lives better as they're preparing for and transitioning into and through retirement.
0: Awesome, and we'll link to the show also. Hey guys, thanks a lot for playing.
3: Thank you.
4: Thank you
0: oh that's gonna do it everybody hey on fridays we play a game and also i didn't do this last week when i was doing this from northern michigan i'm gonna give you the winner winner chicken dinner for our last game and tell you all about tell you all about what our last contest was about so all that coming up plus we're going to talk about next week but first got to say a big thanks to everybody who went to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because you are helping the show by using our link when you go to our sponsor now i'm not thanking you for going to magnify money you should be thanking me because the average person saves 450 dollars in either lower interest rates on their debt or higher interest rates on their saving or lower fees on their checking account like all kinds of stuff let's Head over there right now for our weekly look at interest rates. So I put in stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and boom, the site comes up, compare the best offers for, I go to savings account, click and get personalized offers. And I'm there that easy. And we look at it and 1.4%. I think that's where we were last week. Wasn't it? We had one dollar savings direct 1.4% and their fine print score so they, they have four very simple columns. What is the company? What grade do they get on the fine print? Because you don't want to have to search through a bunch of baloney fine print. What's the minimum balance you need? And what's the interest rate? That's it. And then they have user reviews. So dollar savings account at uh, Dollar Savings Direct. Very transparent. Minimum balance $1, 1.4%. And then Live Oak Bank. Very transparent, zero minimum balance, and one point three five percent is second. And then we go to there's a couple at one point three, and then we have uh, three at one point two five, and then we're down at one point two. So I know while brick and mortar banks are offering, you know, half a percent, we've got a ton of them at one percent and higher. SteadyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money savings accounts, checking accounts. Uh, cashback rewards balance transfer zero percent interest credit cards secured credit cards low interest credit cards cd rates auto loans small business loans private student loans student loan refinance you name it they got it i also like their their uh, blog and their budget apps all right that is it let's talk about the game so we played a game and we had a lot of guesses before you could actually get the right answer and what I did was the very first word that I said had something to do with the clue for that week. So, the first, the first clue was around money. I talked about cash. And cash, another word for cash was money. Next was a reference to the number four. But I wasn't talking about the number four. I was talking about the word four. So, it was money, four. And then next was zero, right? and zero was nothing, so it was money for nothing, and if you kept going, it was money for nothing, chicks for free, and it was dire straits, and that was it. And Luke, Luke was the first one to get it, so Luke, hang on tight, I am sending you uh, the goods, man. Luke's getting a prize pack we're going to put together specifically for him, and actually, Luke, Luke's already written to me saying, hey, uh, have you announced the game yet? And I have been so busy, I don't even think I've answered that that email but luke write me back if i don't hear from you by let's say wednesday uh, i'm going to spill the beans tell you that you won and uh, we'll put together a prize pack for you send you a shirt and a couple other people are getting shirts also we sent one to hillary and we also sent one to brandon hillary wasn't correct but hillary had hillary worked her butt off on this particular game let me share with you hillary's answer hillary thought that it was southwest airlines and uh, her clues, she said number one was was Doe Roland, which Doe was uh, was of course money. Roland King was the name of one of the co founders. Southwest coolest name ever or coolest name ever question mark four zero Southwest flies to forty one states, but if you don't count Texas where it's based, it could be said to fly to forty. Also, really didn't know women flight attendants are stereotypically female. Quatro, Southwest is based in Texas, which is Mexico adjacent. They speak Spanish there. Completely complimentary. Southwest made complimentary peanuts a thing. And to top it off, Sky High was in the title of this week's episode. So Hillary with Southwest Airlines came through and uh, and so we we sent her a stacky Benjamins t-shirt. By the way, Brad over at uh, the place that makes our t-shirts, which is Flying Pork Apparel. They're amazing in Cincinnati. Uh, he's working on a new design for us, and it's it's so awesome. You're going to absolutely love it. All right, that, kids, is going to do it. Let's talk about the current game. If you want to play this one, we've had some fun answers. We want a movie title. It's a real movie, but give me the title of a movie, but instead we're going to remake that movie so that it describes my mom's neighbor Doug's life. So if you have a movie title that describes my mom's neighbor Doug's life, uh, we're going to take all of our, we've had some hilarious answers and we're going to take, uh, the top five and we'll let, uh, everybody vote on the top five once we get, uh, get those all in. So during this eight weeks, that's what we're doing. You got plenty of time, but do it now while you're thinking about it. Send me an email, joe at stackybedjamins.com. Or if, uh, if you want, you'll see across the top of our website questions for the show and, uh, click there and you're good. All right. That's it. Let's talk about next week's shows because, again, another fantastic week of shows. I loved the Meg Gill interview on Monday. And if you missed Meg Gill's interview, which, according to the numbers, a lot of people did, and just because she's an entrepreneur and you're not an entrepreneur, I'd, I'd go back and listen to that one. There are some shows where maybe it's the way I title them that the fewer people listen to. And uh, we got so many great compliments about Monday's show. And Meg was a heck of an interview. So that was that. Of course, our letters episode on Wednesday. It wasn't Jason Parker. Just fantastic joining us today. Uh, that's good. Listen to this. On Monday, Shannon Allen's going to join us. Uh, she's a friend of ours uh, from way back, has a site called Frugal Beautiful. Shannon went to buy a house, had never been through the process before, had accumulated over $50,000, and the money got stolen. And she's going to tell the story of how that happened on Monday's show, how I lost over $50,000 on my down payment. And uh, man, that's tough. And on Wednesday, Wednesday is the top five episode. You know why? It's our 500th episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. And so we've got some of you who were kind enough to tell us your wins from the past few years while we've been doing the Stacking Benjamin Show. And we're doing our top five lessons that continue to resonate over and over. What were the five biggest lessons that just resonated over the last 500 episodes and og and i are going to dig into those so if you're looking for big financial planning lessons you know those truths that you know they're truths because you hear them over and over and over from really smart people that's what wednesday is about and then on friday another great roundtable discussion with paula len and greg is back so that'll be fun all right we'll see everybody next week go stack some benjamins bye-bye
1: Special thanks to Lauren Proctor from Jabatical. You can find out more about Jabatical from their website, Jabatical.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. Special thanks also to Jason Parker for joining us today. You'll find out more about the Sound Retirement Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And as always, you can find all the links we've mentioned on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com.
3: What's wrong with you? Uh,
0: It's either this show or indigestion. But I hope it's indigestion. Why? Yeah. It'll get better in a little while. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be